Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 944 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, May the 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. As you know by now, we have shows covering every team in the big four sports as well as the major college programs. And uh, it's the hot sports time. It's not normal. We don't get to go like watch these games at bars or anything like that, which is a bummer. But the playoffs are coming up for the NHL and NBA. And you can listen to all of the wonderful stuff coming out from the local team focus shows who know their teams better than just about anybody is going to know them. So please go and support those podcasts. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Locker Room, who are changing the way we talk about sports this Friday, you'll be able to uh, hang out with myself, Katie Heindel, Vivek Jacob. I believe 2 p.m. is what we're shooting for for this week's Locker Room Hangout. We'll take your questions. It's a lot of fun. Download the app on Apple and I-O- or Apple and Android right now, and we'll see you on Friday. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Okay, on today's show, we're doing a little bit of something different here. It's been a lot of game recaps lately as the schedule persists, but... We have to sort of turn our attention to end of season talk. We're going to have a series of player reviews coming up in the next few weeks. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff draft wise, obviously. But I wanted to take a second here with award season winding down. And I wanted to just sort of take a look at where the Raptors fit into the grand scheme of things in the NBA when it comes to the major awards, you know, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, MVP, of course, uh, most improved. And I'm forgetting one six man. That's the other one. Um <clears throat> I wanted to sort of take a look at where each Raptor would finish. If we were doing like a 1 through 450 vote in the NBA, where would the Raptors finish in the best Raptor for each award finish in the voting? And to, to help me with this exercise, a guy who watches a lot more basketball than I can claim to watching, a guy who knows a lot more about basketball than I do, and a guy who hosts one of the most knowledge-giving podcasts there is, covering the NBA right now from The Score and Pound the Rockets, our pal Joseph Cacharo, Joey Cash. What's going on, man? Not much, man. I always love your intros. They are always the most flattering, just <laughs> confidence-boosting things. I, leave, I always leave episodes with you thinking, wow, I'm great. Uh, but no, I sincerely appreciate and appreciate you having me on as always. The secret is if you butter up the guests like a turkey you're about to stick in the oven for Christmas, they're they're gonna get they're gonna be better for you. They're gonna give you the good stuff. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna be that, forthcoming. And that so, is very true. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to you know buttered up Joey Cash spewing good takes on today's podcast. And yeah, I needed to have someone on the podcast who does have a firm handle on sort of the entire league picture. I admittedly have not been a very good basketball watcher this year. I have watched the Raptors. I have watched most Phoenix Suns and Denver Nuggets games when they're on, and then the odd sort of TNT game here and there. I have not been getting into the dregs of watching the Oklahoma City Thunder take on the Chicago Bulls on a Wednesday night. It's just not been that kind of year for your boy, as I've been, uh, you know, depressed playing video games, watching baseball, those types of things at various states and degrees uh, throughout the, the basketball season. So... 
Joey Cash, you're here to help me figure out where the best contender for each of the awards from the Raptors would slot in if we were to vote today. Let's start with the big one, MVP. Uh, my, I guess my question to you first off, this has been sort of a question all year as to who the best player on the Raptors is, the most impactful. If you're picking today one Raptor to be submitted for MVP conversation, you know, all the fodder that comes with that, who are you picking among the, I guess, the, the, the culprits between Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry? This season, I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I think that's the and- correct answer. Here's the thing. I still think Kyle Lowry's the, like, all things considered, everyone's healthy, chips are down. I think Kyle Lowry's still the best player on this team, the most impactful, and the most valuable overall. But if we're going to look at this from, like, the, um, the uh, like, from the award perspective, as if these guys were actually in the award race and, and, and not just necessarily by the definition of who's just most valuable on any given night, I think we would go with Siakam because... Look, a lot more goes into it than just who's in general the most valuable out of everyone on the roster. Like Siakam's played more than 400 more minutes and 10 extra games than Lowry this year while being pretty damn valuable himself. Um, He didn't have the all-around consistency, but uh, if we're being honest, I mean, this team's 27 and 41. Like not many players on this team had (laughs) all-around consistency this season. And like other than uh, the dip in his three-point shooting and obviously the clutch issues that we all know about and read about on Twitter – he was like quietly pretty damn good this year. He mm-hmm. averaged roughly like 21 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Okay, that playmaking is huge, and it was a massive development, and it was also very obviously sorely missed in on nights Siakam wasn't there. So roughly 21 points, seven boards, five assists, a steal, on approximately league average efficiency, led the team in minutes. Um, if you take the 18 players who played the most minutes as Raptors this year, who some of them aren't even here anymore. So it's not just like we're only looking at the four or five who played the most minutes. You take the 18 players who played the most minutes for the Raptors this year. Siakam ended up with the highest on-off net mm-hmm. uh, ahead of Fred Van Vliet. Um, I mentioned the playmaking. His defense, I thought, started off shaky and wasn't what it used to be. But as the season went on, I thought he did get back to being that kind of mind-boggling defender that can cover a mind-boggling amount of space and and just makes up so much ground Uh, he's got the positional versatility the advanced numbers again indicate that he's actually one of the best iso defenders in the league i think if you add it all up on this team this year the way things unfolded i think he would be their most valuable and i think if you looked at it like league-wide i mean it's not saying much i'd probably say he slots somewhere around like 24th, 25th. <laughs> and, so, and again, like that's just kind of, you know, it comes with the territory. They're a 27 and 41 team. There's just, there are even a couple of guys who I think you'd probably say, okay, Pascal, I would take Pascal Siakam over that guy. But if you're asking, you know, who would be the more realistic MVP in 2020, 2021, those guys would be ahead of him. So yeah, I'd have them like somewhere at 24th, 25th. Um, I will add too, and I've, I shout this out on Pound the Rock pretty often, but uh, the last few years, I've kind of, there's been this like uh, hobby of mine where what I do, uh, I try to do it every night and I end up making sure every game is recorded. But what I do is I come up with this like players of the game mm-hmm. uh, thing where I obviously it's humanly impossible to watch the full version of every single game that's played over the course of a season. But, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, most nights I'm watching as much as I can. And what I'll do is for the games I don't get to catch live, I will uh, between the condensed version of the game, which I know for the most part only shows buckets, so you don't always get a good indication of defense. But if I'm not watching a game live, I will try to watch the condensed version of it on League Pass, which is like eight to 10 minutes. 
plus, you know, digging into the box scores and the advanced box scores. And what I try to do is for every single game played in the NBA over the last few years, I try to come up with who was the best player on the floor Mm -hmm. in that game. And it just ends up interesting. I like kind of keeping track of it over the course of the year and seeing, you know, who emerges and if any trends come up. And I will say that it actually surprised me today for this pod. I went back and looked because I wanted to see where Siakam ranked. And he did rank uh, just outside the top 20. He was 21st in that category this year. Now, it even surprised me who's been keeping this running tally that even in this year that seemed like weird and off and we never really knew if he had kind of fully broken out of the slump and what was going on, he still ended up in a situation where he was like basically top 20 in terms of how many times he was the best player on an NBA court this season. And Mm -hmm. I think that speaks volumes. Again, given that... other than the playmaking, it was kind of a down season, but then you look at all this other stuff and it's like, uh, if Pascal Siakam's down season is still being the best player on the floor, like at a top 20 at worst, top 25 rate, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I've made the point and you made the point that you think Kyle's still pound for pound the best player on the Raptors. I actually think Pascal passed him this year and it pains me to say that. I don't say that lightly considering I think Kyle's been the best player on the team since basically he arrived in 2012, but Uh, I think Pascal, you know, you see the sort of on-off metrics this season. Kyle didn't drive winning in the same way that he has in the past. You know, the defense fell off a little bit. There were the turnovers that he kind of had tick up it a little bit, the sort of irresponsible passes that were sort of very non-Lowry-like, almost seemed like they were part of, like, the desperation of trying to scrape out from being a team that started 2-8 and and, you know, with everything that was stacked against them. But overall, I think Pascal was a better player, and I've made the point, and I, I totally believe this. I think he's a better player now than he was when last we saw him before the shutdown back in March 2020, and I don't think it's particularly close because the playmaking has come along so far, and really the only differentiating thing is that he's had a, a bad three-point shooting season where he's had waves of being quite good and waves of being really, really bad, and I have a feeling that's going to sort of even out and get back to where he's been you know, more regularly in his career going forward here. I would sort of bet on this being a single season anomaly. But other than that, and the crunch time obviously is a thing too, and that's going to get all the headlines. But in terms of just a general body of work, he's a better player. He's a more refined player. He doesn't turn the balls over as much anymore. And he, I think, rediscovered a sort of defensive level that he didn't really hit in the regular season last year. I definitely thought he hit it in the bubble and the playoffs, and that's kind of a slept on thing about his postseason run as he was a monster defensively. Uh, I think he carried that over in a lot of ways this season, even though the Raptors were kind of disappointing or very disappointing on the defensive end. And he's just a, a more refined, better basketball player that I think if you're choosing between this version and the one from 14 months ago, in terms of just building a team for success, this one is very clearly the guy. And yeah, I think, first of all, I really hope you did sort of an itemized list with every single player listed down to 25 until you got Siakam. I really hope you had that list in front of you. Um, (laughs) But if you didn't, I still think, yeah, that sort of 20 to 25 range is probably fair. I might say a little bit higher just because he carried a lot of the load with a lot of guys out. You know, I think he was probably more than anybody else, the guy who was forced to play with wretched lineups and, you know, with lack of starters available and things like that compared to Fred and Kyle and OG who missed more time. Um, So I'd give Pascal a little bit of a nudge towards the top 20 there. But yeah, I think that's a pretty, 
reasonable place to end up, and that's okay. If Pascal Siakam is forever the 21st best player in the NBA, that's a pretty good place to be, and it's definitely a max player, and you feel all right about it, and hopefully there's some growth there, and he can climb into the top 20, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility either, considering he's already been an all-NBA player in his career uh, just last season. With that, I think oh yeah, I think ahead. if he's health, I think if he's healthy next year, he's back in the All NBA conversation. Yeah, I think that's totally fair too. Especially, I was looking today. We had to answer like a locked on poll thing we're doing for end of season stuff. The forward spot, not all that sexy, honestly. Like you get past like four or five guys, and it's like mm, I guess Zion's the fifth guy. And that's not to say Zion's not amazing, but he's also on a tenth or eleventh place team, and yeah. you know whatever. Um, We'll continue on then, and we'll get to a couple more awards. We'll get to the Defensive Player of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year coming up in just one second. But first, I want to tell you once again about our friends over at Locker Room. It's the perfect place to start or join join conversations, that is, about the league that you love. It is the first social audio platform made for sports fans, and it's free to download both on the iOS and Google Play stores. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Be sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting a room Friday at 2 p.m. with Vivek Jacob and Katie Heindel. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on iOS and Google Play as well, as like as, as I just said. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league group that you want to be in, so the NBA in this case, of course, and follow me at Sean Woodley to be notified when my rooms go live. You don't want to miss it, and it's going to be... A ton of fun as they always are see you on friday at 2 p.m locker room changing the way we talk about sports all right joey cash let's continue on here and dive into defensive player of the year i think we're going to agree or maybe not there's a couple of good candidates here but i think we're going to agree who the sort of leader in the clubhouse among raptors for dpoy should be but uh let me ask you it as a formality uh who do you think is the guy who is most in the running for defensive player of the year uh even if it's a little bit down ballot i think it's got to be og Ananobi. i mean i think like you can you could say from a raptors perspective it comes down to him and fred this season uh, and honestly, like to start the season, Fred was probably better. So you can argue he was the more consistent defender start to finish. But once OG hit top gear and and looked like the OG we know he is defensively, which was maybe like a few weeks later into the season, um, like the guy is in the conversation for best on-ball defender on the whole damn planet, you know, and as great as Fred is for his size and, you know, with the digs on big men and his doubles and the timing, you know, he's an incredible all NBA caliber defensive guard in his own right size still does matter a lot of times on the defensive end in the NBA. And, you know, whereas Fred is an incredible defensive player for his size, OG is just incredible wherever you put him against anybody. Like he legitimately competently guards star bigs like Nikola Jokic and DeMontis Sabonis when you need him to not just like here and there for moments for whole games, he takes on that assignment, but then he also is the guy that can put uh, James Harden in jail on the perimeter. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I just think between that versatility, between just how stout he is on the ball, again, I think he got better off the ball as the season went on because I didn't think he was great early in the season that way. But um, yeah, I think he eventually came on and looked more like the defender we know he is. And honestly, I think he'd probably... Like I tried to go through it today and and I could talk myself into him as high as like sixth on the ballot, Mm -hmm. but somewhere between sixth to 10th. But I really do believe that 
he could be in the actual defensive player of the year conversation as early as next year. Like that is, I just genuinely believe he's that special on that end. And I know Wolfond and I, Joe Wolfond, who obviously is my co-host um, and co-worker at the score coast at pound the rock. He made a good point in that the only reason he doesn't see OG as like having defensive player of the year upside is because he just thinks it's so tough for a wing player to win the award over the big man, which I agree with. But again, I think it just, the fact that I actually believe it's possible with OG just speaks to how special he is on that end because he's just not your typical wing defender. Again, we're talking about a guy who plenty of times throughout the season will actually be the starting defensive center against the absolute best centers in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I I think like OG's my pick too. And I I don't necessarily agree with Wolf on that because he's a wing, he might not have defensive player of the year upside. We've seen with the transcendent ones, especially ones who, you know, combine the offensive end as well and sort of build up that that clout, like we've seen with Kawhi, for example, like it's certainly doable. And also the thing about OG is that he defends literally everybody, as you kind right. of pointed out. Basketball Index has him as the most versatile defender in the NBA, or did in a recent time that they sort of updated the stat, uh, just guarding literally every position for a pretty significant amount of time. It doesn't matter. You were mentioning that Pacers game, like guarding both Brogdon and Sabonis at various times and doing it wonderfully. He's ridiculous. And I guess the big sort of question, and I've talked about this a little bit, and it's a shame we haven't gotten to see any further sort of growth in this department down the stretch of the season, but... You know, I'm really fascinated by the idea of can he maintain his just freak defensive level if he's going to level up on offense and become, you know, a close to 25% usage guy. Obviously, that becomes a lot more difficult, and we've seen with lots of guys, their defense will tail off when that offensive burden increases. But just as a defensive player right now, yeah, I think on merit, if you're just sort of ranking the best defenders in basketball this season, I think he's absolutely top 10. He's probably inching towards top five just based on his body of work. And I, for me, I'm not sure how you sort of weigh this when it comes to, um, you know, the award ballots when it comes to games played. This season, I think I'm a little bit more forgiving of it because it's been a hell season. And like, I don't know how much to really ding a guy if he gets COVID and misses a month. Like, I don't know. It's kind of out out of his control. Right. I guess it's the same as an injury and it's, you know, tough luck, but everyone's missed a ton of time. And also with defense in particular, like the defensive player of the year for me, you can kind of see it. And, you know, I think you rely less on like a season's worth of numbers maybe to sort of make the call. It's just so abundantly obvious when you watch OG play that he's one of the best defenders alive. And so, yeah, I'd probably put him sort of in that first tier of wings, like Jimmy Butler's in that tier for sure. Um, Trying to think of other guys who have been similarly excellent this season, you know, Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Ben Simmons. But like, after those guys? Sure. Why the hell not? I don't really care about the games missed thing all that much with OG. And I'm with you. I think he's going to be an all defense guy. If not this season, you know, sneaking on, then certainly if he gets a full season in next year, I think he probably has enough of the reputation to get on that very exclusive set of teams. And the defensive player of the year thing, if the Raptors can kind of recapture what they've been in the past, it'll be, uh, you know, it's certainly a conversation. It's a real bummer, man, because last year's team, I kind of understood not getting an all-defense player just because it was sort of a, a committee. Everybody was equally equally amazing. If you wanted to make the entire Raptors starting five the second team all-defense, you probably could have made an argument for doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they didn't get one, obviously, because there was no standout candidate. And maybe their best candidate, Marc Gasol, missed half the season. Whereas this yeah. year, 
I feel like OG and Fred are both very deserving and probably were in that sort of S tier of defenders at their position this year. But because the team was bad and because the season went off the rails, they're just not going to sniff it, which is a real bummer. Um, but nothing we can do about that, I suppose. Uh, any last thoughts on DPOY before we move on to six man? No, no, I think we're good. Cool. All right. Six man of the year then. I think it's pretty clear. Chris Boucher is the guy for the Raptors yeah. who will be close to the the top of the conversation and maybe is the guy most likely to actually land on a ballot, maybe? Um, Chris Boucher for you, Joey Cash, where does he slot in in the six man of the year race? And I guess for you, what do you value when it comes to six man? Are you someone who looks for the Andre Iguodala 8.6 rebounds that everyone loved over the last few years that didn't win it? Or are you someone who's just like, you know what? Buckets are cool. Let's give it to a guy who scores buckets. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely... I definitely prefer a scorer off the bench. Now I still want him to be an efficient scorer. Like there was, I think the last time Jamal Crawford won it, I thought was kind of a joke. <laughs> like he was, he was inefficient and a net negative off the bench, but he got the award because he just scored a lot off the bench. So I'm definitely not that kind of like buckets or cool guy, but I definitely think that an impact reserve or at least like the top, top impact reserves should have pretty good scoring ability off the bench. Um, now if they can, you know, they can give you a little, little bit of scoring and just be an all-around kind of Swiss Army knife the way Iguodala is, then obviously I've got no problem with that guy being in the six-man-of-the-year candidacy. But, um, yeah, I guess I'm a little bit combo of both. But uh, like you said, Boucher is the obvious choice for the Raptors and might actually be, if, I mean, if we're talking about most likely Raptor to end up on an awards ballot in general, this might be the player and the category just because, you know, especially the way some media seem to just I don't know, like forget that the last 20 games of a season exists sometimes when they're making up their mind. I mean, I could see some media member with a vote who happened to be there when Boucher had one of his great games against the team <laughs> that person covers. And then they just like, that's what they think of and vote for Chris Boucher. And he did have some pretty ridiculous games off the bench this year. And overall was like, he was super productive off the bench. You know, I think, I think in general, he did grow as a player and I think he became a more um, like a more consistent and dependable rotation player. I still think his numbers, you know, are a little misleading sometimes, even some of the big rebounding games when, you know, he's actually missing box out and missing really important rebounds because he's just jumping instead of boxing out. But all in all, I thought he had a really productive season off the bench. And I think, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about him landing on ballots, I guess we're both agreeing that it's not insane to imagine someone putting him as high as like fifth on the ballot. But mm -hmm. I could also see if you start going through the names, I mean, you could also have him like 11th. So yeah, I, I would I would say that he will get at least one voting point <laughs> somewhere on the ballot. Um, but if when you total all the points, you'll end up somewhere around like 10th, 11th. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think I've kind of slept on how good his numbers were off the bench this year. It was not just the 13.6 points. Like, he averaged nearly seven boards, shot 39% from three, 61% from two as well. Uh, you know, kind of yeah. slept on as, like, a finisher on the roll. Um, and honestly, like, not that far. Like, Jordan Clarkson's at, like, 17 points a game, which congrats to him, I guess. I don't really... I don't need to be started on the Jordan Clarkson six man thing, uh, but um, you know what? I will I will say that uh, a lot of years I would definitely uh, think that Clarkson is in that kind of what I was just explaining with Jamal Crawford a few years ago. <laughs> um, but I will give it to him. He has uh, he's been pretty damn good for the Jazz. I don't know what the hell 
it was when he got to Utah, if it was just like the perfect fit and a team that really needed what he brought off the bench. But I mean, I, like kudos to him. He's, he's made it work and he's been pretty efficient there too. Sure. I guess, you know, try being better than Joe Ingles, I guess would be my, uh, <laughs> my counter right, to that. Yeah. He might not be the yeah, best and guy he's on not. his own team. Yeah, so, agreed with that. Yeah, but either way, uh, yeah, I think Boucher certainly is going to finish somewhere in the top 10. By the way, the guy who I think gets left out of this conversation, and maybe this is my watch the Suns a lot bias talking, but Dario Saric should be in six man of the year conversation. He's been amazing every time I've seen him. He's been a delight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, for Boucher, I think top five, certainly. I agree he will get votes somewhere. Whether he gets like a bunch enough third place votes to you know be part of the end ballot, I don't know. But um, was it three or five? I can't recall. Oh, now. you know what? You're right. I think it's three. It is yeah, three. It's three. So yeah, yeah, maybe he gets a, a you know the third place votes and you know is part of the voting. I think that certainly will happen. Um, you know, if, if nothing else, than from the Toronto voters. Uh, <laughs> and so, good on him for that. I would say for sure. This Chris Boucher bench season, better than Lou Williams' six-man-of-the-year season back in 2014-15. I will hear no arguments to the contrary that <laughs> Lou Williams' season can kick rocks. It's one of my least favorite individual Raptor seasons of all time. And uh, it burned, uh, burned and crashed horribly in the postseason, as everyone expected. Chris Boucher, better than that at the very least. And uh, probably going to be a fixture in this conversation for the next couple of years, I would assume. Um with that, let's carry on. We've got two more awards to get to. We've got the Most Improved and the Rookie of the Year. We'll dive into that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are saving you money on car parts, uh, and they're wonderful. They're not trying to fleece you like the mechanic is and trying to charge you the exact most you can pay for a particular item. RockAuto.com has all the options that the mechanic has. In fact, the mechanic often uses RockAuto.com to find its parts, but they have it all for a cheaper price, so it's not ruining you at the counter at the mechanic. And you can say, hello, no, I'm going to get my own part, and you're going to put it in for me. And that is the rockauto.com promise. They have everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is so easy to navigate. I'm stupid. I, I know nothing about cars, but... I'm able to navigate when I need something for my car because rockauto.com makes it easy for dum-dums like me. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and the NHL and NBA playoffs are on tap very soon as well. Before the next pitch or the next drop of the puck or the next tip-off, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up. So you put in 100 bucks, you're going to get 150 bucks in your account to play with just by using the promo code locked on, all one word. That's betonline.ag, promo code locked on. They are your online sports book experts. All right, Joey Cash, we got two more awards to run through here. Most improved player. I guess we have to start with who on the Raptors do you think is most deserving of the nod? Chris Boucher's gotten some talk, or at least did early in the season. OG Ananobi, of course, had some growth in the back half of the year that was quite tantalizing. Uh, I think you can maybe say Fred Van Vliet improved pretty substantially as well. For you, 
who is the best contender for most improved player on the Raptors and where do you think they'll slot in? Yeah, this one was, I think, actually the hardest because like you said, there's some options here. I mean, look, OG's last 20 games when he started to show um, a kind of offensive versatility and shot creation that he hadn't really shown consistently before. I think if you go by those 20 games, you'd be like, well, that's probably the most, at least the most important development maybe among the most improved Raptors. But then, you know, Fred early in the season showed a scoring improvement and finishing ability that uh, I thought was pretty drastic. And, you know, Boucher, everything we've already said about him, he's become a very productive NBA reserve and a pretty dependable, consistent rotation player if he's in the right role. Um, I mean, hell, in an extremely small sample size, obviously he's not actually the mix, but if he had done it for like another 40 games, Ken Burch showing (laughs) that he's actually a much more complete guy on both ends of the court than the magic ever cared to explore is interesting. So I don't know, for me, it ended up just coming down to like doing some research and and looking at some of the odds and stuff and realizing that in terms of uh, the odds, it seems Chris Boucher lands on a lot of, if you check out like different betting sites and stuff, when you look at the most improved player odds, almost uniformly, like across the board, any site you find Chris Boucher is in the top 10 and sometimes as high as like fourth. So I was having a really hard time. I know it's a cop-out. I was having a hard time determining who actually is the most improved Raptor. Mm -hmm. But if we're going by, you know, the award itself and, you know, which Raptor is going to finish highest or or have the chance of actually doing it, it would be Boucher because it seems like he will finish in the top 10 uh, in the voting. Yeah, I agree. Boucher is probably going to finish highest. And I also don't think he is deserving of that compared to, my pick, who is Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I think nice. Fred's improvement has been, it's been more subtle, obviously. His scoring uptick hasn't been like enormous, which is usually what accompanies this award. But if you're taking a more holistic look at the game, Fred has become someone who drives winning in a way that he never has before. And, you know, he's kind of taken up that Lowry mantle of whenever he's on the floor, good things are happening to the team that he plays for. Like, it's just kind of without fail at this point. Yes, there are still the issues. The finishing around the basket's always going to be a problem because he's 6'1", posing, or he's (laughs) 5'11", saying he's 6'1". And that's just always going to be a problem. But the mid-range game came a long way this season. It's a shame we haven't really seen it recently or seen him recently because he's been sort of out of the lineup and not really a part of the team for like two months between COVID and the fallout from it and his hip injury and all that. It's been a real bummer, but it's easy to forget that he was the guy putting up 54 on the Magic and sort of carrying the day for a team that when they were looking good, you could argue he was their best player at that time when they were in their best stretch of the season. And so for me, Fred, I think, deserves a ton of credit for the improvement he's done sort of across the board just to become a better basketball player. We're not seeing those sort of hang onto the ball for 20 seconds and dribble out of possession possessions anymore. Um, you know, it's not going to ever register for most improved voting just because the when you sort versus last year's numbers, it's not like a crazy increase in that probably is a way a lot of the voting goes down for this particular award but for me fred is a guy i'd probably have fred as high as i don't know like looking at some of the odds right now like randall's gonna win it jeremy grant's up there michael porter jr's up there zion christian wood Jokic, and then after that like i kind of would put him in the sort of like levine fox dort tier of odds and i i think i'd be totally comfortable like putting him along those side alongside those guys in terms of overall improvement as a player who can drive winning and so that's where i sit on that 
And uh, unless you have any other thoughts on most improved player, maybe the dumbest award, we can move on to rookie of the year. <laughs> I think I think we can go to the rookies. Yeah, cool. All right, rookie of the year, Malachi Flynn, Freddie Gillespie, baby. Uh, I guess the and now Jalen Harris as he tears apart uh, NBA garbage time lineups for uh, the last week of the season. Um, Malachi Flynn's obviously the the guy to keep an eye on here. Forty three games played for him, six point three points, two point seven assists, two point three boards. Um, and, uh, you know, some middling efficiency or bad efficiency, uh, if you don't want to be generous, 37% from the field, uh, let me, it's true shooting this season came in at, uh, come on, basketball reference, work with me here, would you please? Uh, true shooting for Flynn this season came in at 47.6% as we speak. So not very good. That said, he just won Rookie of the Month, and so he's got some sort of buzz behind him for the work he's been doing as a rookie. Where does Malachi Flynn for you slot in on your Rookie of the of, of the Year power rankings? Somewhere around like 18th, 19th, 20th. <laughs> um, again, just in terms of the award itself. In terms of, you know, like future outlook as a rookie, I think he'd be higher than that. I think he showed a lot in, in the month he won Rookie of the Month. Uh, I think once his confidence started to come and his shot started falling, I think you saw you know, the type of floor general he could be and the fact he was showing that at such a young age as a rookie was really encouraging. And I do think the shot will fall. I think he's like just too good and smart a player for it not to. But yeah, if you look at it in terms of like where he ranks, just even among just rookies, 26th in minutes, like he didn't really get the opportunity. I think mm-hmm. some of us thought he might get this year. Um, 27th in scoring, which I know, you know, shouldn't be the be all end all. But again, if we're talking about award season and the way some people vote on it, that does matter. So 26th in minutes, 27th in, po- 27th in points, uh, 10th in assists. And then if you want to look more advanced stuff, uh, I think his highest ranking in VORP, he was 16th. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously not bad, but those are just among rookies. And I really can't see him even cracking the top 15 when you look at some of the rookie seasons, other guys with more opportunities have had. So I think he'd end up, yeah, if you were, if you were actually like itemizing it, probably somewhere between 15, 20, closer to 20. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think you'd even say outside of 20, honestly. I'm looking at the list now. Uh, really good rookies this year, man. It was a, yeah, it was a yeah. fun rookie year. Um, yep. You've got Anthony Edwards, obviously. Ball, Halliburton will be, I think, the pretty clear top three. But like Cole Anthony, Sadiq Bey, Emmanuel Quickly, James Wiseman, Teo Maladon, uh, Desmond Bain, Isaac Okoro, Patrick Williams, Kenya Martin Jr., Isaiah Stewart, uh, Pokashevsky, Peyton Pritchard, Tyrese Maxey, Jaden McDaniels, Xavier Tillman Sr., who should have been a Raptor, uh, Killian Hayes, RJ Hampton, Denny Avdia. Of course, Hayes only played like 23 games, but uh, all of those guys ahead, 21 guys ahead of him just scoring uh, on a per-game basis. He's 25th in win shares as well. Uh, I am quite high on Malachi Flynn. I think he's going to be a really good point guard. I think he shows uh, a lot of excellent and exciting traits, but yeah, this is not the year. He's not going to make all rookie teams either, I would not think, unless that rookie of the month gives him some helium, but I don't really think it's going to happen. But either way, you know, totally fine. Freddie Gillespie, where does he rank? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Jalen Harris, 43rd in scoring among rookies as well. So, you know, he's in shouting distance, I suppose. Um, (laughs) Unless you have any, like, other thoughts on this, we can probably wrap this one up man because uh, yeah there's not yeah, a whole lot to wrap, you know, there's not many wrap, like sh- straws to grasp at to put flynn higher than like 20th <laughs> yeah i mean it's to wrap this up wrap this season up get these guys home get them healthy and you know the next time the next time we do this mid-season i think i think we'll both be a lot happier yeah i uh 
I'm with you, man. Let's put a, a bow on this. Does this season even does, doesn't deserve a bow? Uh, just no. a, a hell season that you wrap up in newspaper and give to your uncle for Secret yeah. Santa, basically. Put some coal in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put some coal in a bag and kick it over a balcony or something. Just, yeah, just the worst. But uh, you're not the worst, Joey Cash. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. It was lovely chatting with you. I always appreciate your expertise, especially when it comes to other NBA players, because I am a dummy d- this year, as I've just not been paying enough attention. But thankfully, you and your pal Joe Wolfond over at Pound the Rock do, and stoop down to my level and share your knowledge with me. Um, <laughs> anything you want to promote, man, before, you let you, before we let you go? No, just the usual things. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully anyone listening already has the score app anyway, but if they don't download the score app, uh, subscribe to pound the rock anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, subscribe to the scores YouTube channel. Cause we do, uh, I think pretty solid work over there, kind of covering the sports world in general in a bit of a lighthearted way, giving you all the information you need to know. So yeah, those three things, uh, I think I'll have you covered. At the risk of overly buttering up the guests and perhaps ruining the dish. I don't know why we're eating you now, but, uh, <laughs> Sorry, it got weird, but the risk of overbuttering you, Joey Cash, Pound the Rock has been the way I've kept up with the sort of larger trends in the NBA this season more than any other basketball podcast. You guys freaking rock. You're so damn smart. It makes me uh, jealous, and uh, I appreciate all of the wonderful work you guys do because it really does keep me plugged in as I watch the Padres play the Giants for some reason <laughs> instead of watching an NBA game. You guys rock, and uh, you should listen to Pound the Rock. It's very, very good. Um I guess that's I really, like I said, man. I, I genuinely appreciate that. Uh, yeah, like anytime we get love for the pod, uh, we're very appreciative of it because I know, you know, time time is valuable, time is money, and it's precious. So anytime, anytime people are taking time out of their day or life to friggin' listen to us talk <laughs> nonsense about basketball and listen to me go on completely meaningless rants and call other human beings clowns, like it's uh, the the fact that people are getting entertainment out of that or, or taking something out of it. Honestly, we really do appreciate it. So thank you. It's been a little while since you were throwing clown around on the podcast. I got to say, I'm thirsting for it a little bit. There needed to be some more yeah, clowns. We, uh. <laughs> yeah, I think I, you know what? I think in a post pandemic world, I'll be a little more heartless again when it comes <laughs> to the way I cover the league. And I think I'll get back to because I agree with you. I definitely uh, my clown efficiency, my clowns per podcast i've definitely gone way down this year uh you're a kind man and uh i frankly hope you turn that shit around next year and get back on track (laughs) either way that's gonna do it for today's episode thank you so much for tuning in of course i'll be back again tomorrow we'll talk about the clippers game and any takeaways that we can pull from that maybe jalen harris goes off again that would be fun he's uh, been quite a blast maybe he'll climb further than 43rd in total points scored by rookies this year um Again, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Until then, please support all the other Locked On shows. Go listen to Locked On Leafs with Mike DiStefano and Locked On Blue Jays with AJ Andrews as those teams continue to power on through their seasons and towards the playoffs in the case of the Maple Leafs. I know Joey Cash is a big Leaf fan. Go listen to Locked On Leafs, sure. Joe. Uh, <laughs> <and>, uh, <laughs> Will do. Yeah, and uh, that'll do it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.